You are listening to Digfin Vox. Digfin is an online media group covering the digital transformation of financial services. Our podcast comes to you twice a month from our base in Hong Kong, Asia's leading financial center, where East meets West and developed markets meet the emerging consumer. Go to our website, www.ditchfingroup.com, so you don't miss out on our in-depth daily stories on how your clients and competitors are changing their business models across asset management, banking, capital markets, and insurance. Your podcast host is James Lindsay, and this is the voice of tech innovation and finance. This is Ditchfin Fox. Welcome back to Digifin Vox. In today's episode, James discusses the employment landscape in Asia with Warwick Perdmond. Warwick leads a financial and emerging technologies practice in Asia Pacific for Pure Search and chairs the Talent and Diversity Committee of the FinTech Association of Hong Kong. Hi, this is uh, James from Digfin, and with me uh, is Warwick Perdmond, who is uh, a long-standing executive search professional in Hong Kong uh, at uh, Pure Search, uh, and before that, a former financier. Uh, Warwick, is, uh, sort of his, his career has got him into doing search for, for fintech and, and digital uh, crypto, and so we're going to talk about what's going on in the hiring and the, the war for talent. So, uh, Warwick, thanks for your time. Thank you, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah, great. So, let's start off with what's in demand right now. What's what's hot? What's hot? Blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. At the moment, um, Hong Kong has clearly become a hub for the cryptocurrency space, um, particularly when you see what's happened uh, in in China, effectively banning the practice, and and some of the uncertainties that we've seen in South Korea and and their government being hot and cold on, on the space, which has made people wary of putting all their eggs into one basket. So certainly I'm seeing a huge amount of demand um, here in Hong Kong. <clears throat> there are firms setting up across retail trading, institutional trading, um, ICO advisory, um, obviously all blockchain-based um, yeah. technologies. But, but those, those actions in China and Korea, is that also leading people to come to Hong Kong as, uh, as, as labor effectively in a space, or is it leading just to companies that are trying to seek uh, t- talent? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly seeing more at the moment that it's the companies rather than the talent coming in. Um, there is, you know, you, you mentioned earlier a war for talent. There is certainly a war for talent in, in areas such as blockchain development at the moment. Um, certainly far more uh, demand than there is supply. And is that also coming from financial institutions or is it still more in the bespoke crypto world? No, ab- absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of research happening either internally from banks and insurers, etc., into the blockchain space, um, whether it be directly or through innovation labs or through collaboration partners. So the the demand is coming from quite a wide variety of institutions. What kind of people get hired into these roles? Like, what is the background <clears throat> they have? Because it's not like blockchain. You know, no one's going to have a CV with blockchain that goes back very far. Very few, um, ad- admittedly, and certainly when you're looking at developers, um, they tend to be either very young, relatively fresh out of universities, or perhaps have got development experience into other areas and, and have developed skills in the relevant languages um, for the blockchain. I have come across one or two very senior people when I've been working with advisory clients, um, and certainly perhaps they've come from payments backgrounds where they've started off in end-to-end decryption 
um, and which is obviously graduating now in, into a blockchain space. But you're correct, there are very few people with more than three or four years, at most, blockchain experience on yeah. the CV. And do these people need to also have business acumen, or are they just uh, are they just programmers, uh, geeks, and, uh, and 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 you know they're they're just there to, to you know write code? Again, very much dependent upon the role um, and and what the client is looking for. If you just need a developer, then fine, you can sit down and do that. But I think the reality is where you're working in particularly in complex financial services environments, it's certainly useful to have an understanding of the business or be adaptable and willing to learn. Is there, we've seen this in, let's say, classical fintech uh, over the past few years, a lot of people leaving financial services formally, uh, they lo- either because they, they lost their job or, or, they're, or they got bored with the red tape uh, and, and they've gone into to fintech startups and often these people are likely to be, have a chance of success because they understand the industry, they know where the bodies are buried uh, and, and how to address the, the problems and, that, they, that they worked in. Um, is that also true in the crypto space? Because it's addressing a completely different kind of need. So if you are, are you seeing seasoned bankers or what have you go into this space and become entrepreneurs and they, they know what they're doing um, outside of perhaps a very narrow set of, of people with trading backgrounds? Yeah, no, no, ab- absolutely. And, and if you look at it from a financial services perspective, cryptocurrency is simply another asset class. And if you have been a trader or a banker across equities, fixed income, FX, then the skills and the knowledge that you bring are very easily transferable into this business. I think quite a a, a frequent conversation I have with clients as they build out businesses um, is where and how they're finding the talent. So it's relatively easy to bring in young uh, young applicants who perhaps have a little bit of experience in the industry but don't feel that they want to be molded in, into a corporate environment um, for a variety of reasons. And it's very easy to bring in very senior bankers and traders, etc., who mm-hmm. perhaps got some money in the bank, they have financial stability and security, and they are able to take a risk. Where it's proving very difficult to find people is at that kind of mid-level AVP, VP, director level from banks um, because these are people who are perhaps in the prime of their career, they have obligations outside of work, they're starting families, they're buying houses and it's very difficult for them to to take a perceived risk into uh, what is still a, a nascent area. What kind um, of yeah, what kind of packages are we talking about? What what what's the compensation that people can expect? Um, depending on what skill sets they bring to, let's say, a crypto trading uh, or a blockchain development company? You'd be surprised, I think, at just how competitive these companies are being now. Um, And again, without naming any names here, um, it's certainly apparent that some of the cryptocurrency trading firms globally are making significant amounts of money. And that is reflected in what they feel that they can pay people who will add value into their business. So what are we talking about? I mean, what does it take to leave a bank where you're already well paid usually? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think, you know, like any area of finance, you don't just look at the base package, you look at the add-ons that come with it. So a, a banker or a trader doesn't make their money on their base salary, they make it on their end-of-year bonus. 
With these sorts of firms, uh, I think those incentives are a little bit different because you may be looking at equity in the company, you may be looking at a company that's looking to IPO at some point in the future and therefore you can take a stake. But again, the volumes of business that are being transacted, particularly in trading uh, and to some degree ICOs, um, does mean that there is uh, upside available on, on the base salary just based upon business. Okay, so people can get a raise, they don't necessarily have to sacrifice, uh, they can get a raise plus equity if, they're, if they've got the right skill set. Uh, absolutely, and, and as I mentioned before, um, even the base salaries for these firms are very much in line with what you would inspect, expect to receive from an investment bank. And do they get, I don't know if this is still the case, but certainly when investment banks were poaching people, uh, building teams uh, in capital markets, in M&A, you know, it was, or trading, it was often de rigueur that you would get a, a one or two year guaranteed bonus. Is that, is that the case in fintech or in crypto? No, I, I haven't seen that. Um, I think you might see an indicative bonus. But again, people are not moving into this space for stability and security. They're moving into it because they see a future for the business. They, they see themselves getting in at an early stage of a new asset class and, and giving themselves real prospects for growth and, and of course, in, enrichment. But to say that there are guarantees, it almost never happens. Yeah. And what does that what kind of blowback do the banks and insurance companies themselves experience? They're trying to do their own projects um, and you know they have the costs of their legacy processes and systems that they already are dealing with um, and they're seeing I guess are, are people willing to if, if, if they're looking to, for that risk appetite, if they're looking for a, a big play, are they going to work at a bank anymore? Can banks afford these, these kind of people if they want them? Well, um, I think again that comes down to, to the supply and demand question. Um, you know, there, as we've established, there is a lot of demand in the market for these people. Uh, it's very much a seller's market, and it will come down to the individual as to what sort of working environment they want to go into. As with any supply and demand situation, prices are, are pushed up when, when demand outstrips supply. What do banks have to do to make themselves attractive beyond just money? Because culturally, the whole the, the, the stereotype is that people leave banks because they don't want to be in that culture anymore, or that young people would rather work for a Google or something than work for a, a bank. Uh, so how, how do you see banks trying to um, you know, make themselves desirable workplaces for high-powered people in technology? Sure. And, and certainly banks are pandering far more to technologists than has previously been the case, not just from a, a financial perspective but in terms of how they are treated and, and regarded within the business um, and, and some less sort of tangible benefits that the technologists don't perhaps have to come in wearing suits and ties or, or wearing formal business attire. So they are trying to make environments that are, are, are more attractive to technology applicants. Yeah. What, in, in a Hong Kong context, the opening of virtual banking, uh, which we're going to expect the first applications to be submitted to HKMA at the end of summer, um, what impact could that have in terms of hiring or retaining talent or reshuffling teams? Again, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a bonus for the technology sector here, um, but it isn't going to do anything to, to change the demand-supply balance, um, and that's something that Hong Kong already struggles with um, at, all, at all levels of seniority and, and something that 
the universities, I think, perhaps haven't addressed um, as robustly as they could do. There is certainly a need for a longer pipeline of talent at the moment. Um, it's probably not something that can be fixed in the short term. Are we going to see other places do better at attracting talent? Or In crypto, I think Hong Kong's natural kind of trading culture is obviously attracting people to, to here. Um, you know, you've got that equities mindset already. But uh, but outside of that, are you know are people leaving Hong Kong or are jobs going out of Hong Kong not because they want to, but just because the talent is in India or it's in Singapore or it's somewhere else? Banks have been guilty of doing that for, for quite some time, and offshoring is not uh, a new phenomenon in the financial services sector. Uh, you mentioned India, Philippines again, there is, is another very popular location. Um, and Vietnam is, is very much an up-and-coming area. But for the, the smaller businesses, perhaps, and, and the, the fast-growing businesses here, they would clearly prefer to have people on the ground rather than have offshored. Yeah. What would you say when it comes to fintech or technology and finance, um, how good or bad, and I think I know the answer already, but how good or bad a job are we doing in terms of inclusion of, of women and, and uh, uh, in particular? Yeah. Well, uh, in, b- before, we, before this, we, w- we were talking about um, the lack of senior women um, in technology roles in Hong Kong, and that is certainly something that we are trying to address. Um, you're right, Hong Kong is a trading hub. There are a, a number of leading global organizations who base their Asia businesses from here who, at a global level, are doing as much as they can to address that balance. Um, again, it does come down partly to supply and demand. There are simply fewer female technologists in the workplace. Um, that is something that needs to be addressed, again, from education forwards. Yeah. Is that something that, I mean, that's, I assume, a global phenomenon, but do we have any characteristics of Hong Kong? Are we are we ahead of uh, the, the, the peer set? Uh, are we behind? Um, and any sense of why? I would say that in global terms, we are probably behind. Um, why? Because, again, there are fewer girls going into STEM subjects from school level, going into engineering subjects at university level. Um, interestingly, I certainly see much more parity in China than I do in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether or not that is, is again, down to the demographics of, of the university applications, I, I, I couldn't say off the top of my head, but I suspect so. Um, in terms of how we address it, um, clearly organisations are doing as much as they can with um, you know, positive uh, role model projects and, and positive hiring projects to try and uh, equalise those numbers to a degree. Um, I think one of the problems is that there aren't enough female role models in senior positions, and I think that can be off-putting for people looking to come into the industry. Mm. Um, so we need more mentors. We, we do. and and. Something that that we at the uh, FinTech Association of Hong Kong are doing is is trying to promote this as a subject of discussion and trying to work with um, senior leaders in financial services and technology businesses to address how we can work with this long term. And as part of the association, we work with universities, uh, both with MBA and undergraduate programs, trying to incorporate the fintech into uh, the degree subjects 
and what we will be looking to do over the course of the next year is work with schools again to try and promote STEM subjects to girls, um, try and take uh, groups perhaps out to innovation labs uh, around town yeah, to, just, to just show that, that awareness. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a topic that I'm sure that at Vox will be revisiting. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about where um, where's the 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 uh, firing taking place. Um, we hear a lot about banks uh, looking to uh, use technology to streamline their operations, which is which is good. Uh, but uh, and obviously for for people who I guess have the flexibility and the open uh, attitude, they can learn new tricks and they will find themselves still gainfully employed. But that's probably not for everybody. So what's happening in terms of are, are, are banks actually shedding a lot of jobs? Are the people inside these places successfully defending their little empires? Um, you know, what, what do you see happening, and is that going to change? We're not quite there yet, but it is clear that a number of the technologies that are, are, are being adopted um, into financial services will have an impact upon, um, upon hiring and firing. Uh, certainly when you look at um, processes that are very labor intensive, for example, KYC and onboarding within the compliance space, um, perhaps claims processing in the insurance space, um, these are technologies that will be replaced by blockchain, will be replaced by natural language processing and AI. Um, we're seeing it happening across <coughs> regulation already. Um, I, I think there are very few areas within banks that will be immune from some sort of uh, technology advance. Yeah. Do you see it also at the apex? You know, when I talk to people in investment banking or private equity, uh, you know, they, they seem very supremely confident that their Rolodexes and their, their, uh, their charm will, uh, will ensure their, their steady access. And of course, and, 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 and banks are doing very well generally. So, uh, but at that, at that top level, is, is, is FinTech going to have a, a role or will it, it will, will it remain on the trading floor and in the operations room and, and it won't really touch those kind of high level jobs? I've got no doubt that there's always going to be space for relationship driven business. Um, that, that's a given. But perhaps how that business is conducted, again, uh, will be affected to some degree um, by the march of technology. And, and you've mentioned investment banking. Of course, if you're an MD and an investment bank, um, your Rolodex is, is obviously worth significant uh, money to, to the organization. But if you are further down the pole and you are putting together pitch decks and you're conducting company valuation exercises, these are probably things that can be overtaken by technology in a reasonably short space of time. Great. Um, I guess last thing is, uh, what is the ideal candidate (laughs) in today's uh, (laughs) fast-paced fintech world? Um, Well, what I'm finding with my clients is that we are looking for people both in advisory businesses and hands-on businesses within financial institutions who can bridge the world of technology and business, who understand both sides, who can communicate both sides um, of, of that coin. I mean, clearly we, we mentioned that we would like to have more women in, in the, the workspace. If you are a multilingual female technologist with great communication skills, then um, I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Great. Thanks. Um, Warwick, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you both. Thank you for listening. I'm James Lindsay, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the commercial director of Digifin Group. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please listen again and share it on social media so your friends can find it too.